New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, everyone. This is Ben Curtis, campus pastor at our McCannon location. Today, I will be reading Exodus 23, verses 20 through 33 from the New International Version. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and bring their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full span of life. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all of your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because they wor- the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. So over the last five chapters in the book of Exodus, God has revealed his glory to his people. Whenever people encounter God in the Bible, one thing you'll notice is that they're always moved to respond. You cannot encounter God and remain neutral. So to enter the promised land, the children of Israel are actually going to have to pass through territories that are occupied by people who worshiped false gods. And when they see Israel coming through their land, naturally, they're going to kind of be hostile toward them. And since Israel was having to travel with women and children, they would have been very afraid at different times for their safety. So God says that he's going to provide an angel to guard them and This angel will terrify their enemies and make sure that they arrive into the land that God has prepared for them. And this is just a reminder to me as I read this, just how much God cares for his people because he is present. He is actively involved uh, in the lives of his people, Israel, as well as in our lives. He's very concerned with how we live minute by minute, hour by hour. He's concerned even with the small details of our lives. You know, sometimes we question this. Bad things happen with your job or in school or with a relationship. Those things can rock us and and kind of make us wonder, does God really care about me? Well, you can know, not just from passages like this, but from the fact that God created and God sustains you moment by moment. 
He really does care. Your heart right now, your heart is beating, your lungs are breathing, and all of these things, this is evidence of God's, of God's care, God's concern for you. God does care, and he proves this to Israel by sending his angel to protect them and to bring them into the land safely. So in verses 23 through 24, when they come into the land, God wants them to displace and drive out the pagans living in the land. He tells them to do this, and, and there's a couple of reasons. Sometimes these passages trouble us a little bit, but we need to keep a few things in mind. Uh, for starters, the people that are currently living in the promised land, uh, they're idolaters, and their idolatry has provoked God to anger. If we turn over to Romans 1, to use that language, they've exchanged the worship of the true God for a lie. They've served and worshiped created things rather than the Creator, and as a result, God's righteous anger uh, has been provoked against these people. But the second reason that God wants them displaced uh, is because their idolatry ultimately would tempt Israel to turn away from worshiping him, the one true, the one true God. So if you look at verse 33 at the end of the chapter, do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. And according to verses 23 through 24, that means that they're going to have to drive out the people. They're going to have to break down their idols. This is a key part of God's command. You must, he said, break their sacred stones to pieces. The reason Israel was to use such extreme measures is because God is very serious about their worship, and he's serious about our worship. He's a jealous God. Sin is not just an obedience problem. It's very much a worship problem. So if I choose to steal something, then yeah, I'm certainly breaking God's law. But at a deeper level, I have a worship problem. Because in choosing to steal, I'm saying that, that I'm God and that I can choose what laws to follow and what laws that I want to break. A question that I had as I was reading this, um, this was just kind of a personal application. Am I willing to break into pieces whatever tempts me toward idolatry? Am I willing to break the idols in my life? So, you know, if, if that credit card is tempting me to live my life in a materialistic way and I just continually fall prey to that, well, maybe I need to cut it up because I've believed the lie that buying more stuff is going to make me happy. If your phone is tempting you to worship pleasure and maybe engage in relationships that are inappropriate, uh, maybe it's time to install some type of an accountability app on, on your phone and ask other uh, brothers or sisters to help you out with that. Are you willing to unplug from social media? Because having it at times maybe tempts you too much to worship yourself and to maintain a certain image of yourself that you want other people to envy. Jesus said, if anything causes us to sin, whether it's our hand or whether it's our eye, we should be willing to do radical amputation. And what he means is that we have to be willing to do whatever it takes, whatever length is necessary to root out any sin, to root out any idolatry in our lives. Uh, and that means breaking down idols. You know, it's time to be honest. It's time to admit that at times all of us have chosen to feed our flesh rather than honor God with our lives. We've each done that in some area of our lives. So by God's grace, he, he's calling us maybe to repent, to to put the flesh to death, to honor him instead, because God ultimately wants his people to be pure. And really, that's what this whole passage is about. 
in chapter 20 or verses 25 through 31 rather God promises that he will reward his people for serving him and for living their lives in purity. In verse 25, he promises that their bread and their water would be blessed. He promises that there would be no sickness among them. He promises that there would be no miscarriages. He promises that they'll live long in the land. And and he promises that their enemies will be terrified and they'll flee from him. Uh, So, you know, you read this and you realize God is so gracious in that he calls his people to be pure, but then he promises to reward them for their purity. You know, your employer doesn't do that. Your your employer doesn't reward you just for showing up at work on time and doing what you're supposed to do. That's why that's why they pay you. But in God's grace, God says, if you do these things, if you live purely, then I'm going to bless you. But but here's the problem with this, and this is kind of the Old Testament versus New Testament problem. God's law demands purity, but the law is powerless to help us to live purely. The law can tell us what to do. It can tell us what the requirement is, but it can't empower any of us to do that. And that's what I love so much about God's grace. God's grace is completely different because it not only upholds the law, but at the same time, it supplies what God demands. And so it says, the law says, you have to do this. But God says, when you fail time and time and time again, know this, that my son Jesus never failed, that he lived perfectly, that he did everything that the law demanded, and then he took the punishment that your sin deserves so so that you can trust in him, so that his righteousness can be credited to you. And instead of trusting in your own performance, which is never enough, you can trust in the perfect performance of Jesus. And once you do that, He gives you his resurrection power and he gives you his Holy Spirit to enable you to live a life that's pleasing to him. God's grace is so powerful and his grace ultimately enables us to worship him with pure lives. Well, that's all for today, friends. I hope you have a blessed day and thanks again so much for joining us on this episode of our Reading Through the Scripture podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.